Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Good morning. Well, this, this is the time of year, Advent season, when we typically will read Christmas narrative from Scripture, right? We read the Christmas story, the story of Jesus coming, and, and we read these from the Gospels. If you're new to the Bible, the Gospels are the, f- the first four books of the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in, in the Gospels, they, the, each one tells the story of Jesus, and each Gospel has its own unique flavor. It has its own unique perspective on the life of Jesus and his story. But one of the four Gospels is particularly unique. Um, Matthew... Mark and Luke are known as something called the Synoptic Gospels. The Gospel of John, however, has a very different style. And I saw this meme on Twitter that I thought just was like perfectly (laughs) illustrates the difference between John's Gospel and the other Gospels. Um, John was a different dude. He he was... He is... um, an enigma of sorts. Uh, he was the eccentric philosopher-poet of the gospel writers. Right? He, he doesn't start his gospel like the other gospels. Matthew, for instance, he starts his gospel in chapter 1 with a genealogy, and there's 42 names in it. And he's proving the lineage and the genealogy of Jesus. Um, Luke, in his gospel, provides a ton of backstory to all the different characters involved in, in Jesus' births. But, but John doesn't do that. He doesn't have multiple chapters of Christmas narrative. No, he, John starts his gospel like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <laughs> You're like, whoa, what is that? That is so deep. I don't even know what that means, John. Tell me, how did it happen? How did Jesus come? And John's like, I already told you. Um, he, he, he's just different. Um, after, you read, after you read John's Christmas section in his gospel, you're wondering, is that even really a Christmas story, though? Um, he, he's like the Tim Burton, Edward Scissorhands of, of Christmas movies. He's not the Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. He's the, he's the, you watch it, you know the kind of Christmas movie you watch, you're like, was that even really a Christmas movie, though? Uh, you read John's Gospel in his Christmas section, it's like, but that, that's different. <laughs> and although John's Gospel doesn't provide uh, as many details as Matthew and Luke's Gospel does when it comes to Jesus coming into the world, his telling of Jesus coming is, is quite powerful. And so I thought we could read some of that together. It's short, but I'm going to invite David and Liesl Bailey to come up. They're going to read this section. This is the Christmas section of John's gospel, right? The Christmas narrative. And it's in John chapter 1. And they're going to read a few verses of it for us. Okay, so we're going to read John 1, 9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Thanks, guys. So here, that's John's Christmas narrative right there of how Jesus came. And I want to go back to verse 9 and 10 because I think it's interesting. It says this. John's talking about Jesus coming into the world. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And here's an interesting thought from from John's narrative here is, is that for centuries, people were looking for and anticipating a Messiah to come. They were, they were waiting for what John says here, a light that would give light to everyone. And yet when Jesus came, many, many people missed it, even though they were looking. But there were others, were told, that didn't miss that light, that didn't miss Jesus coming. In fact, they were anticipating his coming. They were ready for it. They saw it, and they jumped into the story themselves. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at three groups of people that didn't miss Jesus coming in the Christmas story. Um, Three groups of people that all had very different ideas of what Jesus coming meant. They were looking at Jesus coming through a certain lens, and so they had an idea of what that meant for them. Um, And they were all right, strangely enough. All three of these groups of people were right about uh, Jesus coming. So let's do this. Let's start with the first group of people that did not miss Jesus coming, and that was a group of people called the Magi. You've ever heard that before? We, we, we see it in our, in our manger scene as three wise men, right? <laughs> the Magi. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, I, I have to ruin your manger scene, so please forgive me. But, but the Magi were not three wise men, as depicted in the manger scene. They did give gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus, but, but they were not these just three wise men who, who looked distinct and, and special. And went. The Magi were much, much stranger than that. <laughs> the Magi were kingmakers. And they were a group of political figures in in the ancient East who who specialized in astrology and mysticism. Isn't that a weird part of the Christmas story? Like there was this group of people who like, they specialized in making kings and and reading the stars and and they show up in in Jesus' birth story. And um, I have a picture to show of a drawing by Sarah Cameron, who was actually part of the Church of the Well for a few years before she moved away, and she drew this picture of the Magi. And I thought I could share it this morning because I talk about the Magi for a little bit. Uh, Because here's what happened. Through a star that appears in the sky, the Magi knew that a king had been born. And and it's very strange, but, but these guys, the Magi, were a big deal in the ancient world. Everyone knew who they were. Um, they, when they showed up, people paid attention because, again, they were kingmakers. And they traveled with a huge, huge entourage. It would not have just been three 
wise men carrying gifts. They would have been a huge entourage with them because they were so important. Everywhere they went, they shook things up. And when they came into town, it signaled, hey, there's going to be a transition of power because the kingmakers are here. Right? So when they came into town, everyone knew something big was going to happen. And so the Magi enter the Christmas story anticipating Christ as a king, as someone really important. In fact, it says here that not only, not only is he a king, but he's one who we're going to come and worship. It's, one, it's a king who's to be worshipped. So somehow, these people knew that this king, King Jesus, was going to be different from every other king. Isaiah the prophet, years and years and years previous, prophesied that Jesus would be this righteous ruler whose kingdom would have no end, that he would be a king who would, who would bring restoration and renewal and redemption and peace and justice to the world that like no other king could possibly do. And they were, and they were all right about Jesus. The Magi were right about Jesus. He, he, he was a king, and, and he was even more than a king. But the Magi were the first group to not miss Jesus coming. Okay, The second group of people who did not miss Jesus coming, were Herod and all of Jerusalem. We're told in, in, in the very next verse, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, when King Herod heard this, when he heard what? When he heard that the Magi were in town and they were looking for a new Jewish king. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And then it says this, and all Jerusalem with him. So it wasn't just King Herod who was disturbed, all of Jerusalem is disturbed. Now, why would that be? Well, because a new king could threaten their way of life. Uh, not only would a new king be a threat to Herod's rule, right? But it could lead to political upheaval in Jerusalem. Remember, uh, the Jewish people are, are under Roman occupation at this time when Jesus is born. And so there's all kinds of tension, right? There's oppression and occupation and and, and they're just trying to get by, and all of a sudden there's an announcement of a new king. These magi are coming. This is a big deal. This could start a war. This could make things worse for us than they already are. And so the Christmas story here, we're told that, that, that Herod was disturbed, all of Jerusalem with them. And so what Herod does is he calls the priests and all the religious leaders, the religious teachers of the law, of Scripture, because he's trying to gather information. Herod, Herod's nervous. He's trying to gather information. So he asks all the religious teachers, hey, I know that you had prophets hundreds of years ago that prophesied about a Messiah coming and being born. Um, where was that again? <laughs> where, was the, where was the place he was going to be? And the, and the religious teachers of the law said, oh, well, Isaiah the prophet prophesied the Messiah would be born in a town called Bethlehem. And Herod says, oh, that's amazing. That's wonderful. And then Herod calls the Magi. And he meets with the Magi, and he says, hey, when did you first see that star? You know the star you told us about? You're following to look to find the, the, the king, the one you're going to worship. Where did you see that again? And, and he tells the Magi, when you find him, could you come and tell me? I would like to go worship him too. Of course, he has no intention of that. He wants to kill this baby, this Messiah, because he's threatened by the, the uh, thought of losing his own lordship and autonomy. Right, And so after the Magi find Jesus, we're told that they're warned by God through a dream to not go back to Herod. See, there's, this, there's a weirdness to the Christmas story that we often don't anticipate. <laughs> right? Like, 
They're warned in a dream, and then we're also told that Joseph's warned in a dream to take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt, and they lived there for several years. There's just some weird stuff in the Christmas story that when we set up our manger scene, in, it, it just, we don't know what, what, what the scripture actually says about this. And, and what happens is Herod realizes that he's duped, that he's outwitted by the Magi, and he gets furious. And so he makes this decree, and he gives orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem under two years of age and in its vicinity of Bethlehem who were who under two years. And this is like a devastating, imagine, like, we celebrate Christmas, but this is a devastating part of the Christmas story where all of these kids under two, these boys under two in this whole region are getting killed because Herod's afraid that he's going to lose his autonomy, lose his lordship. He's nervous about this new king. That's coming on the scene. And um, he tries to get rid of Jesus through this most vicious and, and brutal decree imaginable. And here's the thing about Herod and all Jerusalem. They were right and wrong about Jesus. They were right in that Jesus is Lord. Right? And he is a threat to our own lordship and autonomy. But they were wrong because they, they thought Jesus was going to be a certain kind of Lord. Right, a certain kind of ruler, that he would um, use coercion, manipulation, force, whatever means necessary to take power for himself. But that's not the kind of Lord Jesus was. Right? Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Think about that. Like Jesus was part of the... John says, in the beginning was the Word. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on and says that Jesus was part of creation. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God together created the world, created us, and then Jesus submits to coming to earth and having his own creation put him on a cross. That's the kind of Lord Jesus was. But Herod doesn't get that, right? Because that's not the way the lords and rulers of this world are. And so he's threatened. But he, he, he didn't miss Jesus coming. He was aware. The third group that didn't miss Jesus coming are the shepherds. And in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And so what happens in this passage is, is soon after this angel shows up and talks to these shepherds, and it's just strange that the angel chose shepherds, right? Because that's like the lowest, the, the lowest economic occupation at the time. And that's where God shows up to make this announcement. And he shows up to the shepherds and announces this, and then a whole host of angels appear right after this, and they give the very first Christmas concert, right? They start singing, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to men. And, and you can imagine if you're a shepherd and all these, then an angel shows up and then a whole host of them show up and they're singing about this pronouncement of, of Messiah coming. And as soon as this angelic concert is over, the shepherds leave for Bethlehem to go find Jesus because this was good news for the shepherds. See, the... the you have the Magi who are anticipating Jesus coming as a king. You had Herod who is anticipating Jesus coming as a lord and a threat to his lordship. And then you had the shepherds who are anticipating Jesus to come as a savior. And he was a savior. 
right? Especially for these shepherds because shepherding was one of the poorest occupations of the day. If anyone knew how badly the world needed to be saved and rescued, it was them. Because every day they went to work, they were reminded of the fact that not only are we in Roman occupation and oppression, but we are at the, the bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder. Like we are way down here. And so the news of someone, a deliverer to come, a savior who's going to rescue them, which all the prophets of old foretold, and now it's here, and angels just came and declared it to us, and now we just have to go. This was good news to them. They were anticipating Jesus, Messiah, to be savior. They were tired of just barely scraping by, right? And I can imagine the shepherds finding Jesus laying in a manger, which is just really a feeding trough for animals, right? And here's, here's the, the angels show up and they said, oh, he's come. God in flesh has come. He's here. He's, he, he's, he, he's arrived. And so they show up and instead of expecting something grandiose, right, they see Jesus as an infant in a manger, in a feeding trough. And they're seeing their Savior living in impoverishment, just like them. And I can imagine how these shepherds must have felt, how meaningful that was to them. In a sense, like, whoa, look, he's poor, just like us. Look, he has no place to lay his head, just like us. Society doesn't even know he's here. They don't even recognize him. They don't even see him, just like us. Isaiah the prophet, he, he, he said that the Messiah would be the good shepherd, just like us. He Look, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us, he's just like us. It had to be so special for them to see Jesus in that setting. So these shepherds, more than anything else, anticipated Jesus coming as a Savior, and they, and they were right, Jesus did come as a Savior. And these shepherds became heralds. You know, they went and spread the good news that a Savior had finally come. So here's, here's what I want to point out to us this morning is that all of these groups of people were right about Jesus. The, the Magi anticipated Jesus coming as a king. They were right. Herod anticipated Jesus coming as Lord and a threat to his lordship. He was right. But he was also wrong, right, in the way that Jesus came as Lord. And third, the shepherds anticipated Jesus coming as Savior. And so they're all right. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't just one of these things. He was all of these things. And they saw him as one of these things. The Magi said, oh, wow, this, is real, this guy's really important. He's a king, and he's a really important king. Herod saw Jesus as, as a lord and a ruler and, and, and as a threat to his lordship, and, and he was right on some levels, right? And that's how he saw Jesus. And then the shepherds saw Jesus as a savior, and they were right. He was a savior. But here's the thing. Jesus is not just one of these things. He's all three of these things. And so I'm going to end my sermon this morning with just a simple and, and, and powerful proclamation that Jesus is our King, our Lord, and our Savior. He's all three. And I want to leave you with a few questions to consider. And the first question I'm going to ask is this. As you approach this Christmas season and get ready for the new year ahead, are you trusting Jesus to be your Savior? Or are you trusting something else to save you? You know what I mean by that? Um, do you even recognize that, that you need saving? <laughs> do you recognize that this world needs saving? 
Those are probably good questions to ask too. But let me ask it in a different way. What are you putting your hope and trust in right now? See, when we approach Jesus as our Savior, we are essentially transferring our trust and our faith to him. Let me say this. Every person in this room, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, Christian, seeker, doesn't matter. Every single person on this planet is a person of faith. Because we all put our trust in something to save us. Right? It could be a career, it could be a relationship, it could be whatever it is. We all put our trust in something, our hope in something to save us. So we're all people of faith, which is why faith is never lost, it's, it's only transferred. You know, as a pastor, sometimes people come to me and say, I'm losing my faith. They're like, no, you're not losing it, you're just transferring it from God to something over here. Because faith is never lost, it's just transferred. If we lose faith in something, what we really mean when we say that is that I had faith in this, but it, it let me down, it's not happening. So now I'm transferring it over to these things. Maybe it's material possessions, maybe it's feeling important, whatever, whatever it is, right? We're all people of faith, right? We, we, just, we just move it around. And what Advent does is it reminds us that we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior. And not, there's nothing else out there that's going to save us, right? No, 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 nothing we can accomplish or do, that's not going to save us. But oftentimes what we do is we put we transfer our trust and faith into those things, right, or into those other people. And what Advent does is it focuses in and, and, and reminds us, no, Jesus is our Savior. We put our faith and trust in him and the hope that we have in him. So here, that's my first question for you. It is, yeah, that's my first question for you. Are you trusting Jesus to be your Savior, or are you trusting in something else this, this Christmas season this, as we head into the new year? Here's my second question for you. Are you willing to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life? Or are you trying to get rid of his lordship like Herod did? Do you, do you even believe that Jesus' lordship is good? Do you believe that he's good? Because if you don't, if you think that God is really just out to, you know, to trick me, <laughs> to manipulate me, to give, get me to... to to, to do stuff for him that I don't want to do, and, and he's really just, he's just trying to make me pious, and that's not a good life that I want. And if, if you think any of those false narratives about God, you're going to be like Herod. I've got to get rid of his lordship in my life. I don't want to give up my autonomy. No way I don't trust him. See, that's, that's what Herod did. So my question is along those lines, are you willing to allow Jesus to be lord of your life? Do you, do you know that he's good? See, Herod thought that Jesus would be like all the other lords and rulers of the world, that, that he'd rely on anything he could to take power, that he'd take advantage of people, that he would, he would use force, he would use violence, he would um, uh, use fear and coercion and manipulation. But Jesus wasn't like that. In fact, in the book of Philippians, here's what we're told about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Let me read this. And this is again talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. See, here, here's the thing that, that we know about Jesus. When Jesus is our Lord, we don't have to worry about being taken advantage of by him, manipulated by him, abused by him, forgotten or left behind by him, because he's already proven his goodness. I mean, he was God. He had every, every advantage, and he laid it all down. And he said, no, I'm, the people I created, I'm going to come down to earth and be one of them and be with them and feel the pain and, and go through life. What, how they, in fact, they're even going to put me on a cross. That's the kind of Lord and King I am. One of a servant, one of humility. And so we can see that and we can say, Jesus has already proved he's a good Lord. And so what Advent does is it, is it forces us, in a sense, it reveals our hearts by challenging our claim to lordship and autonomy, right? Like, uh, we, think, we think we want to have the say. But we can trust that, that Jesus' kingdom is bigger. That's why we can pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we know that, he, that, because Advent, as Jordan said, it's not just anticipating Christ's first coming as a baby. It's, it's, it, it, it's about Christ coming into our lives. It's about Christ coming again to finish what he started, right? To establish his kingdom of which there'll be no end. A kingdom of peace and righteousness and joy and goodness. And so we can, we can trust him. And so maybe I'll just end there and I'll say a prayer for us. Because my hope for today and just asking these two questions, is for you to consider how do I anticipate Jesus coming? And, 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 you know, we have the Magi who anticipated Jesus coming as king and somebody really special and important and somebody to be worshipped, which we, we worship today, right? You have Herod who anticipated Jesus coming as Lord and as a threat to his lordship. And it's like, okay, like, um, if I could get rid of you, I could. I would. <laughs> and then you have the shepherds who, man, it was just good news. They just... They, to see Jesus just like them, <laughs> impoverished but also Savior. And so my hope for today is that you would do some inside work and ask yourself, how do I view Jesus coming? How's it shaping and changing my life and my decisions this Christmas and as we head into the new year? So I want to say a prayer for us, and then we'll sing together and close. Is that okay? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we, we read these Christmas stories in Scripture, we recognize that there are a lot of people who miss Jesus coming all together. Even though they were looking, they, they missed it. And sometimes we do that. Where we're, we're looking for you, God, um, we, but we miss it. And then there are the people in, in these Christmas narratives that, that didn't miss it, but they saw Jesus a certain way, and that's like us too. And we're okay with Jesus being a king, but man, when it comes to him being Lord of our life, it's really, really hard. We're okay with him being a savior in certain areas of our life, but there's some areas of our life we don't want saving from. But Lord, I pray today for, for myself and for all my friends that, that we would just have an honest moment with, with us and you this morning where you can inspect our hearts and we can inspect our hearts with you and, and we can see what's there because we want to trust Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded of the, the, the story in the Gospels where someone approached Jesus asking for healing and, and Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I do, but help my unbelief. Lord, I think that's for many of us. Like we want to, uh, we want you to be our King, our Lord and our Savior. A part of us, Lord, help the parts that don't. 
And so Lord, I pray uh, for all of my friends who are here this morning, that you would meet them in such a significant way that there would be more trust, that they would be able to transfer any other places that they put their faith, they'd be able to transfer it back to you because you're the only one with the unshakable, everlasting kingdom. All the other kingdoms that we put our faith and trust in, they don't, they're, they're not unshakable. They're not lasting. And so God, we come to you just humbly and asking, will you help us to, to do that work so that we can be in alignment with, with what it is you want to do in our lives? And I just pray blessing on every person here as we head closer to Christmas, now just one week away from the fourth, ad, fourth Sunday of Advent, I pray God for blessing on, on every person here, every person who made the, the effort and attempt to come and be in your house, even though, even though they were struggling with things and carrying things and heavy burdens, they came. And I pray you would honor that and that you would bless them today with your joy, your presence, your, your, your goodness. And we ask all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.